0: Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day a little bit more than probably I am currently right now because I had one of those moments today when I was doing research where I really wish I had put two and two together. And now that I'm realizing this right now, the market is somewhat being played by us or not by us, but Washington is pretty much somewhat playing with the market. And Granted, a lot of you are probably thinking, well, this isn't really new, new news to us, Jacob. Well, it does affect us in a little bit of a way, and I think once I cover it towards the end of this podcast, you'll understand my frustration of not putting two and two together. And yeah, let's just let's put it that way before we get today started with today's podcast. First off, we're going to be talking about the video game section and the earnings, because apparently the video game uh, giants have a miserable second quarter as the pandemic gaming boom hits a wall, which is actually tied in with NVIDIA warning about how they just reported earnings as well. And they are saying that they won't be making as much money now because of the gaming section. Novavax has cut their revenue guidance for this second half of the year, which is kind of crazy to think about. And then another company has also reported their Q2 earnings as a loss, which is a company called Allbirds. And we'll cover that more in details later. And finally, we're going to be talking about how the US ready is the largest security package for Ukraine and why it's tied in with Saudi Arabia potentially and oil currently right now. And that's where the, like I said earlier, that's where my frustration of, wow, I did not put two and two together until now is going to be kicking in later towards the end of this podcast. But I always say at the beginning of each podcast, to my fellow listeners, please remember that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before making any investment decision, as you're not always guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Also, go talk to your own professional advisor, as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I cannot legally give you financial advice, but your professional advisor would be able to help you in any way, shape, or form with being able to make decisions on what needs to be done. That being said, too, guys, please remember, too, that I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form, and this is not a financial channel in general about giving financial advice. It's mostly for entertainment purposes to know what's happening within the stock market as all news isn't covered at times, and it's for entertainment purposes only as well. With that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast. Video gaming giants has a miserable second quarter as the pandemic gaming boom hits a wall from CNBC. The giants of the video game world saw their sales slide in the second quarter as initial tailwinds from the COVID pandemic fade in three months ended June, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, each posted disappointing results and the respected gaming businesses. The numbers reflect the broader concentration in consumer spending on video games. Americans spend 12.4 billion on games in the second quarter, according to market research firm MPD which is down 13% year on year. Several factors are to blame. Not really, not the least through re- relaxing of pandemic restrictions with people esch- um, eschewing home entertainment options in favor of outdoor activities. Ongoing shortages of semiconductor equipment haven't helped either. The growth of the overall game market has recently de- decelerated as opportunities have increased for users to get out of the home as COVID-19 infections have subsided in key markets. Hirokyo to- Toki Sony chief financial officer said of the company's earnings call last month. Sony reported a 2% decline in sales year over year as its gaming unit in June quarter, while operating profits plunged about 37%. The company also issued a gloomy outlook, cutting its full year profit forecast by 16%. The main reason people are spending less time playing games and more time going out. Total game play um, time among PlayStation uh, base was down 15%, much lower than initially forecast by the company. And then it says the COVID effect disappears from CNBC. Gaming was one of the big beneficiaries of COVID pandemic, which publishers expect, uh, correction, experiencing bumper growth as consumers spend more time indoors. But with consumers spending habits shifting post-lockdowns and inflation running hot, the industry is taking a hit. At Microsoft, overall gaming revenue sank 7% year-on-year. Sales of the company's Xbox cons- cons- consoles declined 11%, while gaming content and services revenues dipped 6%. The decline was driven by lower engagement hours and monetization in the third-party and first-party content. Amy Hood, Chief Financial Officer of Microsoft, said in a firm's earnings call last week. Activision Blizzard, that embattled public uh, game publishers being acquired by Microsoft, reported a 70% plunge in net profit and a 29% drop in revenue. I mean, I don't know why people did not realize this was going to happen because it says even there's a uh, console shortage lingers as well. I mean, people are struggling with finding the PlayStation, I think it was, that they were talking about during Christmas of last year. But even NVIDIA today has warned us as well. It says NVIDIA warns of second quarter revenue sharp dip. Nvidia shares dipped 8% on Monday morning after the company released pre- preliminary earnings that showed second quarter revenue of $6.7 billion, well below its initial outlook of $8.1 billion. The chipmaker said its shortfall primary reflects weaker than forecast gaming revenue, which is down 44% sequentially and 33% from the prior year. Nvidia said it reported its primary attribute. Atru- uh, Attributable to lower sell-in gaming products, reflecting a reduction in channel partner sales, likely due to microeconomic headwinds. Or it's the fact, too, that no one's really just gaming as much anymore as they used to. Let's continue on the article. It is also said its data intersegment has been impacted by supply chain disruptions, and preliminary rev- pre- preliminary revenue of $3.81 billion is below the company's expectations. That figure is still up 1% over the last quarter and 61% year over year, however. Colette Chris, Executive Vice President and CFO of Nvidia, said she believes the company's long term gross margin profile remains intact. Quote, We have slowed operating expenses growth, balancing investment for long term growth while managing near term profitability, she said. We plan to continue stock buybacks as we foresee strong cash generation on future growth. So good to know that they're still continuing to be buying back stock, even though apparently the gaming sector has been hit for them. You know, when COVID did hit, I. I myself jumped back into a couple of my games as well. In reality, I should have started this podcast during COVID, but, in re- but better late than ever. But I remember during that time, like, yeah, I, I kind of jumped back into it. In fact, most of the times that I spend with some of my friends are on Sunday nights on game nights. What's interesting, though, is even though this is shifting, I have to say that it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone there's only so many hours people are going to be willing to play video games when they're at home all the time. In fact, now it's kind of just a pain to be out and about sometimes because people are just out more now. But this should have been seen. And the fact that they're blaming the fact that people aren't buying as many video games. Or maybe just admit the fact in that you might have a chip shortage happening. I mean, some companies had to order supply ahead of time just to get ready for a potential shortage. But don't blame the video game sector at the end of the day. I mean, sure, the video game companies can blame that people aren't playing as many video games. Maybe you just it's just time to make new, new games that people would actually want to play. I mean, gamers are still going to be playing, but you're not going to have as many people who used to. I mean, I guess the people who got into games because of COVID won't be gaming as much, but it's just how life goes sometimes. On to Novak's now Novak's cuts 2022 revenue guidance in half stock tanks and after hours trading Novax deeply cut its full year revenue guidance Monday with no new COVID-19 vaccine sales expected in 2022 in the U S or from any international alliance called COVAX. And that represents low and middle income countries. Good to see it's finally coming to an end. Let's continue on reading with the article. The Maryland biotech company cut its 2022 sales outlook by almost 50% and now expects to generate $2 billion to $2.3 billion in revenue. Novavax previously forecast $4 billion to $5 billion in revenue. Novavax stock dropped 33% in extended trading. The company posted a loss of $6.53 per share and booked revenue of $186 million for the second quarter, well below expectations. For the quarter, revenue was $186 million, a significant shortfall from both the first quarter results and as i said from expectations ceo stanley eric stan stanley eric told analysis during the company's earnings call we are now projecting that we will have no new revenue in 22 from the u.s or from kovacs eric said novax was originally expecting to book sales this year from 110 million shots in the u.s and 350 million shots from kovacs but novax was late to the u.s market and he said where people were still overwhelmingly getting vaccinated by Pfizer and Moderna shots. NovaVax re- received U.S. authorizations for its COVID shots for adults early this summer, but 77% of people in that age group are already fully vaccinated in Pfizer, Moderna, and a lesser degree, Johnson Johnson shots. The U.S. has so far ordered only 3.2 million doses of the Novavax vaccine. Eric said Novax has struggled because its shots are yet not approved as a booster for adolescents in the U.S., yet, the core of the remaining market for COVID vaccine vaccination in the country quote we're hopeful that we get through this in days and weeks but the absence of these indications slows that the global rollout of our vaccine he said a surge in vaccine supply of covax also eliminated the alliance needs for shots from novax eric said covax has struggled to distribute to distribute its current inventories to low middle income countries he added novax vaccines slowed to 55 million a second quarter from nearly 585 million in the prior period the company took a net loss of $510.5 million overall in the second quarter compared to a net loss of $352.3 million in the year earlier period before the vaccine was authorized anywhere. Novavax turned its first quarter profit earlier this year. Okay. I don't feel bad for Novavax in the end for this. I mean, COVID, it's virtually over at this point. Well, maybe not 100%, but... I mean, people aren't talking about it as much anymore. People are now talking more about monkeypox. Now, the question is going to become is which company is going to end up getting the vaccine for the monkeypox issue that's happening because apparently Joe Biden has made it a national emergency for monkeypox or something like that. At least if I'm hearing the news correctly. But, I mean, good to see that COVID's kind of coming to an end. If they're not going to be making any profits from that, it's still just interesting to be able to see that these companies now have to adjust their earnings because of this stuff. But I mean, I also want to know how much Novax made in general around the world. I mean, we've talked about in past podcasts, which I will mention to, now, to you guys, uh, to you fellow listeners now to go in, look and hear about past podcasts, about what we've talked about when it came to the COVID vaccine, but, or how much these companies were making, but I still want to know how much Novax was making because I feel personally that that number would probably surprise a lot of people, just by how much money these companies were making in the end. So, onto the retail sector, though, because there's more news that's happening for either layoffs or guidance being cut. Allbirds dramatically slows pace of new hires as losses widen. Allbirds on Monday trimmed its financial forecast for the year and announced a number of efforts to cut costs as a substantially shoemaker reported a wider quarterly loss compared to a year earlier. The company cited a slowdown in consumer spending towards the end of June and said it dramatically slowed the pace of corporate new hires and backfiles for departing employees. It said it has cut its global corporation workforce by about eight percent or 23 people. Chief financial officer Mike Buffano said the retailer anticipates. Any external headwinds pressuring consumer spending in the United States will persist in the back half of 2022. As a result, we continue to take cautions outlook, he said in a statement. All bird shares fell more than 13% in after hours. Trading on the news, the stock has tumbled more than 60% year to day as of Monday. Markets close brings Allbird's market cap to about 842 million. Here's how All birds did in the f- fiscal second quarter, compared with that with analysis we're anticipating based on refinitive estimates. Loss per share, twelve cents adjusted versus sixteen cents expected. Revenue, seventy-eight point two million versus seventy-seven point eight million expected. Albert's reported a net loss in the three-month period ended June thirtieth of twenty-nine point four million or twenty cents per share, compared with a loss of seven point six million or fourteen cents a share a year earlier, excluding one-time items and lost twelve cents per share, better than sixteen cent loss that analysts were looking for. Revenue grew 15% to 78.2 million compared to 67.9 million a year earlier. That topped estimates for sales of 77.8 million. All reported both an increase in number of orders than the average order value, which is said to do to partner price hikes amid inflation. The company is best known for its slip-on wool loafers, also, but also entered the apparel business during the pandemic and also been launching a variety of shoes, including for running. Sales in the United States grew 21% from year-over-year ago levels. While it said international revenue was flat due to ongoing COVID-related restrictions in China and the war of Ukraine. Retailers from Walmart and Gap in recent weeks have trimmed their expectations for future sales and profits as businesses attempt to gauge how consumers are responding to 40-year high inflation. Companies say lower-income households have also particularly pressured by higher prices and have started to tighten their budgets for discretionary items, including apparel. For the year, Allbirds is now calling for adjusted net revenue between $305 million and $315 million. It previously forecast net revenue of $335 million to $345 million. Okay, so, oh, last thing too. Along with slower hiring pace of hiring, Allbirds said it looks to trim logistics costs in the United States by transitioning to automated distribution centers and, de- and dedicated return processor The company is also hoping to accelerate the scaling of its own manufacturing based at slash products cost over time. This is something I'm going to be curious about. As this quote unquote, we can't find people to hire happens. I wonder how many companies are going to start automating their distribution center in general and how it might change the the whole distribution center in the future. But that also being said too, I mean, are people gonna be really be buying these high luxury items when if they're we're in this quote unquote recession? Probably not, but it's still just interesting to see that these companies are now getting hit, top and bottom lines, it seems like. And they're announcing that they have to be able to lay off people as well. That being said, it's just it's just interesting to see how this keeps happening just across the board. Layoffs, I mean, there's only 23 people that are being let go from this company at the end of the day, but it's still kind of shocking that this is being reported, and no one seems to be batting an eye currently. This should make you bat an eye, though, a little bit, if you have been paying attention. Biden authorized largest yet weapons package for Ukraine, bringing U.S. commitment to $9.8 billion from Washington on the political side of CNBC news. The Biden administration announced a 1 billion security assistance package for Ukraine on Monday, the largest weapons installment yet since Russia's full-scale invasion began in late February. The upcoming military aid package, the 18th, the 18th, okay? That's a lot. S- such tranche brings US commitment to about 9.8 billion and includes um includes Munitions for long range weapons and armored medical transport vehicles. The package consists of additional ammunition for the high mobility artillery rocket system or HIMHARS 75,000 rounds of 155 mm artillery ammunition, 20, 120 mm mortar systems, and 20,000 rounds of 120 mm mortar ammunition, as well as uh, munitions for national advanced surface to air missile systems or NAS. NASA Ames, I think that's how you say it. The HIMARS manufactured by defense giant Lockheed Martin are designed to shoot a variety of missiles from a mobile five-ton truck and have have sat high on Ukraine's wish list. Undersecretary Under of Defense for Policy Colin Kahl said that the U.S. was not sending HIMARS in the latest package, only ammunition for the system. Kahl declined to say how many of those rounds of ammunition would be in the next delivery. The U.S. has thus provided 16 HIMARS to Ukraine. And this is where things get interesting. The Pentagon will also send 1,000 javelins, hundreds of AT4 anti-armor systems, 50 armored medical treatment vehicles, anti-personnel munitions, explosive, demolition munitions, and demolition equipment. Okay. You know, they just keep sending stuff over. Until now, the Ukraine's, the largest Ukraine assistance package was announced on June 15th, but in the installment was a mixture of presidential drawdown. Author, uh, correction, drawdown authority and the Ukraine Secretary Assistance Initiative. Monday's package, solely a presidential drawdown authority means the weapons came directly from the U.S. stockpiles. Good to know we're sending our own stockpiles overseas. Hopefully they get more of it back. Okay, this is where I get a little frustrated with things. This war with Ukraine and Russia is not going to end anytime soon. Okay, we're sending. All these packages to Ukraine. Okay, now granted, it probably has slowed down the Russians' advance a little bit. Can't I, I can't completely burn uh, Ukraine on this regard. Okay, it's a terrible thing that Russia has invaded Ukraine. I, I can fully admit that. But as I've mentioned in the past, you have countries like China and India, and I know some of my listeners are from India. And like I've said, it's a lo- it's a lose lose situation for Ukraine in the end because india has to keep whatever china does india has to do so i can't rip on india too much i can't however rip on joe biden cuz he is being played though and what do i mean by that well i i had like i said russia not russia has been selling its oil for cheap they've been selling their cheap oil to both china and india Joe Biden recently went to Saudi Arabia asking for more oil from Saudi Arabia. okay? And then Saudi Arabia had mentioned that they couldn't couldn't increase input, okay? that they were at max capacity. And then I come to find out this: Saudi Arabia more than doubled Russian oil imports in the second quarter, freeing up their own crude for exports. Now this article was reported on June 15th and why CNBC did not report this at the time is beyond me currently right now. Okay, but we do need to talk about this and this is how we we'll end today's podcast. The world's largest oil producer stepped up imports of Russia oil in the second quarter despite sanctions amid a choking Moscow energy flows, Rudders reported. Saudi Arabia imported 640,000 tons of Russian oil from April to June, according to data reviewed by Rudders. Saudi Arabia took possession of the oil from Russia in Estonia ports and thus far imported 320,000 more barrels from Russia compared to in the 2021 levels. The kingdom increased willingness to grow its resilience on Russian oil is at odds with global powers as they're trying to condemn the Kremlin and cut off exports and response to to its invasion of, of Ukraine in February. Reports say that President Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia isn't likely to yield a deal on oil, further straining price pressures in the U.S. despite 20 straight days of declined prices at the pump. The import also allows for the kingdom to free up their own oil exports to reap in profits from record high prices on the international market. Some of the Russian fuel made in Saudi Arabia through Egypt, accounting some of 110,000 barrels per day imported from Egypt in June. Meanwhile, Egypt imported 70,000 barrels per day from Russia in June, Rudder said. Saudi Arabia uses oil to power its, its grid, especially import important during scorching summer months. Many large cities in the kingdom stretch far from natural gas fields, making the dependence on oil even stronger. Saudi Arabia typically runs through 60,000 barrels per day during the summer and roughly 30,000 barrels during the winter. Okay. This is where I get mad. Okay. Think about it this way. We can't drill at home because Joe Biden says we can't. Okay. We're funding Ukraine with weapons of war to fight Russia. Russia's importing oil to both India and China. And like I said, I can't rip on India too much, but now apparently they're importing it to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is part of OPEC plus who's also part of OPEC plus Russia. Okay. So Russia's Im- importing or exporting their oil to Saudi Arabia. Who's importing it to themselves. Oil's $30 a barrel from Russia currently right now. Okay. Saudi Arabia is importing cheap oil. They're then exporting their oil out to the world and they're making a killing in oil right now, okay? Absolute killing, okay? And Joe Biden is asking Saudi Arabia for more oil output. Saudi Arabia is going to be a very, very rich country, more rich now than ever. And it makes me frustrated by the fact that, and this is where more frustration comes in, Saudi Arabia is virtually funding Russia's war efforts against Ukraine. In reality, this war, whoever wins, at least in my opinion, one economy is going to be crushed in the end. Okay? It will be. We're sending packages overseas to fight the Russians to Ukraine because we can't get involved in the war because they're not part of NATO. And we can't condemn countries for importing oil. We could condemn Saudi Arabia, but if we condemn Saudi Arabia, the United States would be screwed because we're not doing our own oil projects here in the United States. Instead, Saudi Arabia is making a huge killing. Who knows how much they're going to be making in the end, but as long as this war is going on and oil prices remain high, Saudi Arabia is just going to be raking in a ton of money. And I'm curious to know, I think their oil companies like Saudi Amco or something. I can't remember what it's called. But it's like the biggest oil company in the world. I just want to know how much that oil company is going to be making soon. Like in all seriousness, how much they're going to be making right now. Because they're they're virtually just exporting all their oil. Because they can just buy cheap Russian oil. If that doesn't make your blood boil. I mean, it made my blood boil a little bit after realizing this. there's no, There's pretty much no end in sight for this, for oil dropping. There really isn't. Not until this war ends. And Russia's oil can get back on the market. But Saudi Arabia is going to be making so much money off of this. It's insane. And no one's realizing. Or maybe Wall Street does realize it. And Wall Street doesn't care. So they're just investing in that oil company in Saudi Arabia. Who knows? It's hard to tell. But virtually Saudi Arabia is funding Russia. Same with China. Same with India. Same with countries in Africa, I believe, that are importing oil from Russia. And we're sending weapons to Ukraine. And Europe's going to have a fun time with their winter coming up. So yeah, just thought I'd report that oil markets are still going to continue to be probably a more profitable area, probably until the war ends with Ukraine and Russia. How that ends, though, is yet to be seen. With that being said... Fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed being able to record and be able to do the research at this time. I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with friends or family as we can continue to grow this channel so we can be able to keep talking about this news events that are happening that Wall Street's not willing to talk about, but we are willing to talk about here on this channel. I also ask, too, that when you like and subscribe and to share it with friends or family that maybe... uh You try to convince them to keep listening as every listen and every download helps grow this channel as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.